Don't be afraid to start a difficult conversation. You've got to sometimes be willing to take the first step because sometimes your male patients won't. They come in, they tell you the daily joke, they come in with their wife, they bring you a cup of coffee or some, some slice. You know, they do all of those really nice things for you, but often you're too busy to think about asking them how they're getting on or asking a pointed question, a direct question. How did you get on with that new medication you just started or how are you finding whatever it is, doesn't matter what it is, it could be about, I see you've been taking the Prindapril for years, I've never thought to ask you, how's your blood pressure, you know, what's it up to? And he says, oh, actually it's really high. Okay, well let's have a look. So it doesn't have to be profound. Hi, I'm Brad Butt, pharmacist, managing partner of Coolman Court Pharmacy and founder of Men's Health Down Under, and you're listening to the Pharmacy Business and Career Network podcast. Welcome to the Pharmacy Business and Career Network podcast, brought to you by the Pharmacy Guild of Australia. Focusing on pharmacy management and ownership, the PDCN podcast supports the improvement and growth of your business performance with insights and advice from a range of industry professionals. The PBCN podcast, supporting your journey every step of the way. International Men's Health Week is held from the 13th to the 19th of June. You may be familiar with our guest today, Brad Butt, founder of Men's Health Down Under and managing partner at Coolum Court Pharmacy in the ACT. Coolum Court Pharmacy was recognised and awarded the 2022 Guild Pharmacy of the Year. But Brad's work in the men's health space goes beyond his and business partner, Brooks Pharmacy. Brad is a pharmacist who is passionate about the health and well-being of his local community and the broader Australian male population. Brad was awarded the Australian Patients Association Most Outstanding Community Pharmacist Award in 2019, the University of Technology Innovative Pharmacist of the Year in 2019, and the ACT PSA Pharmacist of the Year in 2020. Brad, alongside his work at Coleman Court Pharmacy, established Men's Health Down Under in 2013, which has grown to be the largest men's health pharmacy clinic in Australia, providing men with professional expertise for specific health issues without any embarrassment or privacy concerns. And I spoke to Brad about his experience in specialising in men's health to understand the current challenges and to learn about the opportunities for pharmacists. Here's Brad. Thanks for joining us again, Brad. It's great to have you here today to share your experience and insight during Men's Health Week, an important topic. And the theme of Men's Health Week for 2022 is building healthy environments for men and boys, focusing on creating physically, mentally and emotionally healthy environments, not just in the home, but also the workplace and in social settings, importantly, as well. It's no small feat, that one. It's a it's a lot to take on. So can you share with us why you are personally so passionate about men's health and building healthy environments for men in healthcare? The critical thing really for for men really was that they're underrepresented in our pharmacies by and large. You know, often the the female in the family, be it a daughter, be it a wife, be it a mother, tends to look after health and we just felt that it was worth getting the men more involved. We know that men tend to die earlier. We know that men have, you know, health conditions at the same rates as, as their women um, colleagues. Um, so, you know, men, we wanted to see them engaged in their health, taking care of their health, and felt that by offering male-friendly services that we could perhaps increase the number of males that were that were patronising our pharmacy and therefore, uh, you know, get them to take more of an active role in the management of their health. 
Well, Brad, men's health is something that you don't just talk about, you take action on, and you created Men's Health Down Under in 2013. It's an amazing initiative, a great initiative. Can you explain to us what Men's Health Down Under is all about? As you said, we started 2013 in the pharmacy, and the idea of it was that it, that it offered men support uh, that it had prostate removal, so a prostatectomy. Uh, I guess we've kind of evolved over the nearly 10 years since then uh, to look after and help guys manage a whole range of different conditions, be it uh, prostate cancer that might have metastasized, but so they could be on chemo, radiation, um, androgen deprivation therapy. Um, they might have had a prostatectomy, which involves the removal of the prostate, which leads to often and, and frequently uh, incontinence, urinary incontinence and, and um that may only be short term, but but still an issue, right through to erectile dysfunction that can be permanent, and obviously some of the some of the trauma that goes with being a survivor of cancer. So that the mental health aspect, uh, and I guess it's important to note, we don't do this as a as a single person. There's actually a multidisciplinary team that we refer between, uh, particularly for the mental health services. I mean, we can support people to an extent, but. As a pharmacist, our knowledge sort of taps out at a fairly elemental level. And then, as you can imagine, doing those sorts of things, the program, you know, there was opportunity to help other men. So men with just normal erectile dysfunction, men with premature ejaculation, men with fertility issues, uh, men with Peyronie's disease where the penis bends, men with phimosis, which is where the tight, there's a tightening of the foreskin that prohibits the, the glands of the penis getting, getting out, um, which can be uncomfortable. And there's a whole gamut of other smaller um, niche areas that we work in as well. Like I had a guy in for faecal incontinence the other day who was an avid hiker. So uh, it didn't need necessarily to be just prostate cancer. That was the first thing that presented to us, that after the guys after a radical prostatectomy to, to get help with vacuum pumps and injections. Um, but we've since found that there is a whole world of, of other men's urological health conditions out there. And I guess the other interesting thing is that it's made men more inclined to talk about their general health and well-being, not just their urological health. And obviously, we're passionate and knowledgeable, knowledgeable about urological health. But you know, there's men that have got diabetes, cardiovascular disease. You know, there's a, a looking to lose weight. There's a range and, and of uh, full spectrum of other um, complaints, conditions that that men need help with. And I guess by having the conversation on the difficult stuff, men have felt more comfortable to ask about the simple stuff as well, which would be, you know, your blood pressure, cholesterol, that sort of stuff. It's a great point to make. But Brett, how do you identify the areas that you should focus on? Is it about being in tune with men that come into the pharmacy and start talking about some things? Or do you spend time as a team looking at what areas might be most common in the community and then trying to present those to patients? Good question. A bit of A and a bit of B, I suppose. The honest answer is that the patients will bring this stuff to you. And I think you know, we often talk about communication. If, you, if you're applying for a new job, you, you, know, you always want to say you're a good communicator and you're good at teamwork. And the reality is that most of us aren't great as communicators. We're not good listeners. We're too busy. You know, the patient comes in with a what seems to be an you know, a bit of a frustrating question, you know, why are you bringing that to me? That would be better dealt with by a doctor or a nurse or by the emergency department. Um, and, and when we're busy, we can be pretty quick as pharmacists and assistants to say, oh, look, you know, that's a bit outside our pay bracket. You know, why don't you, why don't you ask the GP about that or why don't you ask somebody else? And I think as pharmacists, 
we are part of the social fabric in our communities and we do have an important part to play in that multidisciplinary team. We're, we're, we're a, you know, a cornerstone or certainly a pillar within that team that's pretty critical. Without the pharmacist, you know, a lot can go wrong. And I think by listening first and foremost to the patient's questions and then by by giving them a measured response, and that might be, I'm not sure, but I can come back to you. That's a really interesting question. Or, oh, look, you know, that's um, that's good of you to ask that question. Can you tell me a bit more so that I can help you? We can help them make an informed decision and, and get them referred to the right person or, in fact, solve their, their problem. And I guess for the men's health one, it was actually just by listening to a patient saying, that's a, quir- that's a quirky request you've got today. Let me have a look and see what we can figure out and um, and support you that th- this all came about. So I guess, yes, we do sit down as a team and we say, what else can we help with? And that's, you know, kind of fertility came out of that. Um, but we know that the patients are going to give you, they're going to tell you what they're living, breathing and experiencing on a day-to-day basis. And by tapping into that, you're far more likely to be able to find something that's going to be able to benefit others. Um, it's all well and good for us to sit in a circle and say, what what else can we help with? Um, without having lived with any of those problems, particularly ourselves. But the patients with that lived experience are going to be far better able to provide you with uh, topics, if you will, areas where they feel you can support them. And then it's just a matter of figuring out if you are the right person to support them um, or if you need to refer them to somebody else. I want to pick up on something you said a little bit earlier. You mentioned before that some of the things that men's health down under encompasses and that you talk to patients about leads to those men talking about some other more common things like their blood pressure and their cholesterol, things like that. Research shows that there are a number of factors that lead to males not seeking health support and some barriers in place which include maybe fear of stigmatization. What's been your experience with your male patients on that front? Because it can be confronting for men to talk to somebody that maybe they don't particularly know that well uh, in a pharmacy setting. Anonymity is a wonderful thing, actually, when it comes to the stigma, um, because 90% of these guys don't know don't know Brad Bart or Tim Stewart or Ash Nair or any of the practitioners we've got working under the Men's Health Banner. They don't, they don't know us at all. So for them to come in, that level of anonymity is actually kind of nice. And it's not like they're talking to their regular trusted pharmacist that they see, you know, a couple of times a month for their prescription medications. They're talking to someone that they've never met before that's interested and passionate. So I think generally, and this will be different to most pharmacists, I suppose, but I guess generally these guys are pretty cool with it. So we know that the guys will typically wait in the, in, in the doctor's waiting room for up to three years before they discuss before they discuss their erectile dysfunction with their GP. And again, you know, that's their family GP often. They're familiar with them. It can be a difficult conversation to bring up with somebody that you know. So that level of anonymity is quite valuable. Um, I guess generally speaking, uh, in a pharmacy, the guys are going to be fairly uninclined to talk to any, you know, the regular pharmacist. And I know I've spoken to my to my guys that have got an ED and they pick up their Viagra and you say, oh, look, you know, um, I've got I've got some things that might be better for you that might be more appropriate or might work a bit better. You know, did you want me to run you through it? And they say, oh, no, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. Like, let me out, let me out, let me out. But um, but lo and behold, within, uh, within, within a few days or a week, they'll be back. You can almost bet on it because we know that those medications aren't doing the best job for them. They, they have been more effective been on them a while now they're looking for something that might work a bit better it's just that that um 
confrontation, that that sort of unannounced conversation about it can be a bit off-putting, even though they may well know that I know what I'm talking about and I might actually be able to help them. It can be still tricky for them. So those patients that you have start the conversation with, you tend to find that they'll be back um, and they'll say, oh, I just want to see I just want to see Brad or whoever it was. And um, you go out and you can't remember who they were particularly because you know they blew you off the first time. And they say, oh, you, you asked me the other day about and you say, yeah, I know what you're about to say. That's fine. Let's go and have a chat. So, um, you know, I guess it is hard in a community pharmacy to have those honest and frank conversations. Uh, you know, it's much easier to talk about your blood sugar or your blood pressure uh, as opposed to talking about something that's a bit closer to your heart um, that, that, you know, is perhaps more... Um, impactful on your on your day-to-day existence you know living with erectile dysfunction can be really hard and you know can be the end of some marriages and the breakdown of marriages and a loss of masculinity i suppose it sounds like just giving people some space to prepare for some of those conversations is the key just because the pharmacist is there on the front line ready to talk about it the patient isn't necessarily brad when somebody talks to you and you do give them some light at the end of the tunnel, some steps, some ways forward. How does their demeanour change in front of you? It's funny, you know, they they go from being a stranger to being a mate and um, that happens that happens quite quickly actually. I think I think that for a lot of blokes that have gone through a difficult time, be it with um, incontinence, be it with erections, be it with peronies, be it with any of those, you know, fairly sensitive embar- and, and possibly embarrassing urological health topics, they, they've generally spoken to a bunch of other people first. There's probably been a urologist, the GP, a physiotherapist, you know, even a psychosexual therapist, a counsellor. Uh, so when they when they come in, I think sometimes they feel, oh, well, I'm just going through the motions. I don't know how we're going to go here. And once they, once they know that there's some options for them and, and it's not all gloom and doom, their demeanour changes. You know, you see them, they, they relax back into the chair. They unfold their arms. They smile, they uh, speak more, they're more open and will tell you more, they become more like a friend, um, less foreign, if you will. So the demeanour changes completely. And it's, you, you know, at that point in time, you've got them in this wonderful honeymoon sort of period where you could pretty much ask them anything and they're going to tell you the honest answer. And like you, it's almost like you've gained their trust and um, now they're ready to, to tell you what you need to know to help them. Um, because I think, like I said before, people wait a long time to talk about these things. It's highly emotive and often they, they've talked to a number of other people and been sort of handballed around a bit. So um, the relief is quite quite obvious. Brad, for your pharmacist colleagues listening today, spread right around Australia, what sort of specific services do you think they can be providing to support men in their own local communities? I'll give you an example that back when we started doing this stuff and we had it we had quite a, a big shop. The shop was about three hundred and sixty odd meters. Um, and we were looking to downsize the shop to closer to two fifty. And as part of that transition, we said, right, let's get rid of homeopath shoes, let's get rid of all the cosmetics, let's get rid of toiletry bags gifty sort of lines. Let's get rid of all that. Let's make it more health orientated. Let's make it more male orientated. And to make it more male orientated, we didn't have to do much. It was just move some of that stuff that was traditionally female that really probably 
didn't belong in in true community pharmacy. I mean, we're talking core categories. Um, we're talking about delivery of health services as opposed to general commodities. Uh, by removing that stuff, we made the pharmacies more male-friendly. And that in itself, I think, had an impact. Um, of course, you want to be able to sell them what they're after. So if, you've, if you know that there's men with incontinence, which clearly there are, there are, there are many men with incontinence living in our communities, you know, open up the incontinence space, put up hang cell bits and bobs to, to talk to the patients because we know that you can't stand there as a pharmacist or have your best uh, floor staff members attending to that section all the time. It'd be great if we if we could, if the traffic was there. But if we've got some little shelf talkers that can demystify stuff for the men, that can be useful. Um, you know, the men tend to, well, they say women women um, talk in a group and, and men, and, and you know, face-to-face. -face. Men tend, tend to speak shoulder-to-shoulder. -shoulder. No, that's, how, that's the sort of motto of the men's shed you know men men will talk but they do it shoulder to shoulder they don't look directly at each other they sort of they will talk shoulder to shoulder to shoulder so they will they will seek out information in different ways so you know a young female on the floor um, servicing the incontinence section is not going to have much luck when she says to the older fella oh hi there can i give you a hand with those with, with the pads he's going to say no um um, or to say oh, I'm getting something for my wife and he won't necessarily give the full story. But if there's some information there that he can readily access with a QR code or, you know, have you considered uh, this is best for uh, faecal incontinence or whatever, um, they're far more likely to browse that information, take it on board and, 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 and then seek help off the back of that. So it's about getting the messaging right in our pharmacies, making things clear and concise. The guys don't want the whole backstory. They just want the information they need to know. What do I need to know? What do I need to get? Right, let's go. Um, uh, and I think in pharmacy, sometimes our ability to, to tell a story can get confused because there's too many options. Um, you know, you look at, look at cough and cold, you know, there's so much there. And the guys, they just get, they get lost unless they've been told by their partner what to get or they've had it before and it worked so they're going to go back to that same product it can be very confusing so by trying to make it as simple as possible um, with the invent of qr codes it's much easier a guy can scan the qr code it opens up a website with some simple information on where you know it might be a continents map so the toilet map for australia um, by doing that stuff the simple stuff well it can make quite a difference for your mail for the mails coming in it's an interesting point because when I got my flu vaccination a little while ago, the young guy helping out doing the paperwork before positioned two different vaccinations for me and, and started to explain them. I was like, mate, this is all way too confusing. I just said to him, which one did you get? And he goes, I got this one. And I was like, that'll do. So I think you make a good point. We just want to know the way forward. Now, Brad, what you do doesn't happen in isolation. You're part of a wider network of health professionals in your own community. So for those considering setting up some new services focused on men's health in their own pharmacies, what advice would you provide about some steps to go out and collaborate with other healthcare providers such as GPs and, and specialists in their own communities? Number one is, is you don't know what you don't know. So look, get in touch. So that's the first simple thing to do is get in touch. I'm very happy to take phone calls and emails and I work half the night, so it's no, dr no, tr no trouble, no dramas. Get in touch, and I'll be happy to tell you what you don't know. Um, the, the second thing is, is yes, you're going to need referrals from somewhere. So that would probably either be a specialist or the GP. And, you know, GPs, they're busy people. Um, you know, you can help them a lot, but it can take quite a bit to actually break the ice and get in to see them. Um, and you want to know what you're talking to them about. You don't want to go and say, oh, we've, we've got some 
we're going to do some support for men with erectile dysfunction. The, the doctor would laugh at you. They say, "What do you mean? Like, what do you know? What, what different? What, what can you do differently that I that I can't do?" So, and that ties back to you don't know what you don't know. So, um, so I would say get in touch. Approaching the GPs and specialists, great idea. Equally, if you're approaching the specialists, you don't want to turn up half-baked. If you turn up without knowing what you're talking about, they're going to show you the door and you're going to be out on your bum and they're not going to want to see you back because you, you haven't come well-researched. Um, so you, you really want to be the expert in the room. And I think community pharmacies probably in the last five years have said, we've got to do professional services. And I remember at APP hearing past winners of Pharmacy of the Year say, now, these are the services we do and it all sounds really great. And you go back and you try and implement some stuff. So you do blood pressure, you do cholesterol, you do blood sugar, you do opioid replacement, you do stockings, you do wound care. But all of a sudden, you're not, a, you're not an expert in any of those things. And I think my point, my point being, Daniel, that pick the things you're passionate about. If you're not passionate about men's health, don't do it. If you're not passionate about sleep apnea, don't do it. You want to pick things you're passionate about because it makes it easier to do it. Because when the patient turns up for a sleep apnea appointment and you think, oh, here we go, this is a pain, that's not the thing you want to be doing. So you've got to do something that you that you generally have an, an, a, you know, a, some passion about and um, and just pick a couple of things. You know, you can't be the expert in everything, nor do you want to be. So, you know, if you've got that big pull-up banner of services out the front of your pharmacy and, you're, you know, you can't deliver it to them on a daily basis – and, and, you know, I've seen pharmacies, they say, we do blood pressure. You think, great, I'll go in, I'll just see whether they do it. You go in, you say to the assistant, can I get a blood pressure done? And they say, oh, uh, yeah, we're a bit tied up at the moment. Um, oh, we can't find the blood pressure monitor. Like, you don't you don't want to be that pharmacy. Patients will only give you one opportunity. So pick two or three things you're passionate about. We call them centres of excellence. Set it up as a centre of excellence. That's what you do. That's who you are. That's what you're renowned for and get on with it. And I think probably compounding has been a really good example of that. If you're a compound pharmacy, you do it well and that's what you do. Maybe you offer a couple of other peripheral services, but your passion's compounding and that's where you get your referrals for and that's where you where you bank the, the profit. So that'd be my advice. You do make a very good point. I've been in that exact situation with getting my blood pressure taken and it, you just feel like you're less of an importance to somebody in that pharmacy and they're like, well, we can't really help you. And you think, well, now I have to go and find somewhere else to get it done. I think you also make a great point around passion and just picking a couple of things that you're passionate about. For me, I think if you then want to expand more, you are setting a good foundation which you can build on. But I always roll my eyes when I drive past signs where there's a business that says we're passionate or we're an expert in every field. And I just think, yeah, I don't think you can be that focused and be able to do a good enough job there. So speaking about passion, there are other organisations in the community who aren't necessarily uh, clinical. And what about collaborating, working with, partnering with other like-minded organisations such as charities and community groups? You mentioned uh, the Men's Shed earlier before. Is that something Men's Health Down Under does? And if so, can you provide some maybe some examples and advice around how you go about it? You're right. And look, here's the thing. These, I call them non-government organisations. So either charities or maybe they're for profit, but they're non-government. And, um, you know, I've, I've, I've been on the soapbox for many years saying we can't keep getting the government to pay for stuff. We've got to find others that can pay, be it private health, um, be it charity, be it non-government organisations. And we want to engage with them because they've got some really good stuff. And so two examples, if Men's Shed, who 
the largest provider of men's men's support um, in Australia and was born and bred here in Australia and now they're all over the world. Men's Shed has been has been phenomenal. There's one in most communities. They're older guys. Uh, they, they've often got um, you know some really passionate people driving them that are really engaged. They're, they're generally volunteers um, and. Men's Shed, interestingly, work with a number of other non-government organisations, one of which is our good friends at at Healthy Male, which used to be called Andrology Australia. So Andrology Australia, or or now Healthy Male, is a a group, um, non-government organisation, which produces health literature for men. And it's really high quality. It's expert written by experts in the field it's all peer reviewed it's all rigid dig um, and they are super passionate about getting you know good outcomes for for men um, so they part they worked quite closely together and healthy male will push their information through men's shed so that all the men's shed members have access to that information and you can go online and you'll find now, if ever you've done any research on men's health, you'll find that healthy male comes to the top of the lo- top of the pile pretty quickly with with that information. Very patient friendly practitioner um, can really easily understand it and implement some of the stuff they're talking about. So, we do work with with men's shed um, at the head, at at their CEO level and healthy male at their CEO level, and it's great because we can share ideas, we can work together, we can work on. Some, some messaging that we want to get out. Um, and then obviously at the grassroots level, we work with our local men's sheds um, here in Canberra. And I know that the other pharmacists that are doing the, the men's health and program um, also go and speak at the local men's shed. And that's a really great way to get the message out and to build that um, knowledge of what you're doing. Because if you don't tell people you exist, they don't know you exist and therefore they don't come. So we need people to know that we exist, um, both at the very high level of some of these not-for-profits right down to grassroots grassroots members. You've spoken about other health professionals and community groups. What about staff in the pharmacy? Because it is something that is part of your offering. People don't necessarily like change. Sometimes when the boss says, I think we should do this, it can just feel like it's it's more work in an already busy workload. What part did the staff play and, and were they receptive when you first came to them with the idea and talked about it in the early days? I think the staff were scared initially. They they sort of weren't quite sure what was going on and then basically they knew if somebody came in that had a little piece of paper that that wasn't a script, they were here to see Brad. And, um, and then Brad would disappear into the consult room for an hour and the scripts would all pile up and be waiting when Brad came out and nobody really knew what was going on in there. So it took, you've got to remember this, there's no, you don't get it. You don't get the opportunity to do a giant big launch and, and, and kick off services and, and have hundreds of people walking through your door seeking that service on day one. It's, it's very much a slow burn. Uh, and in terms of implementation, it's you know very much a soft launch. Um, so I guess the ability to get the team on board is, important um uh and it's probably if i look back at it now maybe i'd have been better off to have more discussions with the staff when we started doing it but i guess at that point in time i really didn't know what it was we were doing it was fairly poorly defined and it was very much ad hoc um take it as it comes learn on the job sort of thing and um but i would say now though if a pharmacist or pharmacy was looking at implementing a service you know do all your background research first you know are we interested are there enough people in the pharmacy that are passionate 
to do it because you can't just have one person. You need the whole team's engagement um, because there'll be days when, you know, your lead pharmacist is sick or the lead pharmacist, lead pharmacist takes a job somewhere else. You know, so you need contingencies in place. So you do need others on board. Um, and, and frankly, a lot of what we do could be done by one of the pharmacy assistants or dispense techs um, without any involvement from us. It's simple stuff like the incontinence-rated stuff, getting someone a, a medical device, be it a pump or a splint or a penile clamp or one of those sorts of things. So the pharmacist need not necessarily be involved. However, I would say that the pharmacist is probably the one that the, that the patient most wants to see um, because you know, generally they want to see the person in the white coat because that person's the boss or is the most senior and knows exactly what's going on. But yeah, getting the team on board is really important and empowering them, giving them the knowledge. You know, it, yes, we're all busy. We've got vaccines and rats and masks and who'd know what else coming through the door that's keeping us busy, busier than we've ever been. But it is a nice break from that um, now mundanity of vaccination that's pretty tiresome and can at times be pretty unrewarding. It's nice to implement a new service and it doesn't have to be a million mile an hour from day one, but it might be a slow burn and gives somebody, gives the staff something else to think about, study up on. And um, and I know from, from my experience in our pharmacies, the team are loving getting out. You know, we haven't been to conferences in ages. So the ability for them to go and and have a look at what somebody else is doing in their pharmacy and spend a couple of days there studying under them, watching them, learning from them has been really motivational and, and probably, truth be told, makes your business uh, you know, an employer of choice. Um, and I know that some of the pharmacies we're onboarding for men's health down under at the moment, we've talked about this being an, this idea of being an employer of choice. Pharmacy, pharmacists, good ones, they're hard to get. And when you when you get them, you want to keep them. So you need to consider what you're offering them and how you can keep them engaged and motivated um, as, as, you know, as opposed to the pharmacy you're competing with, not only for patients, but for staff now as well. So, so getting the pharmacists out to, to do a bit of this and the, and the floor staff in, you know, if, if, if at all possible um, is really beneficial and, um, you know, good for the, good for the business helps break things up, breaks that mundanity a bit. I think you make a good point there about the day one, the soft launch and it being a, a slow burn. I think that's an important point for people to keep in mind. So Brad, for other pharmacists that can continue to try and build healthy environments for men and boys, what advice or information would you share with them about how best to achieve that and engage with their male patients and the community? Oh, I think you've just got to be open and upfront and, and you know, don't be afraid to started a difficult conversation and I often refer to this some of these topics are a bit like Pandora's box you open open the box and you can't shut it you know it can be and that that in itself can be a challenge and I think you know you've got to sometimes be willing to take the first step because sometimes your male patients won't you know they'll just come in as you know they come in they tell you the daily joke you know they, they come in with their wife they bring you bring you a cup of coffee or some some slice or um, you know they do all of those really nice things for you but but often you're too busy to, to think about asking them how they're getting on or asking a pointed question, a direct question um, on you know, how did you get on with that new medication you just started or how you're finding whatever it is. It doesn't matter what it is. You don't have, it doesn't have to be about their Viagra. It could be about, you know, I see you've been, take, I see you've been taking the Prindapril for, for years. And I've never thought to ask you, how's your blood pressure? You know, what's it up to? And he says, oh, actually, it's really high. And you say, okay, well, let's have a look. Um, 
So it doesn't have to be profound. Um, and please don't think it has to be profound. Of course, profound is wonderful. We all love doing things that are profound and, and um, you, know, make, you know, getting somebody back in bed with their partner, having fulfilling intercourse, you know, that's great. Of course it is, but uh, it doesn't have to be like that. It can just be a simple question about how they're getting on with something that they've been on for years. You know, you check their script every month without asking them anything about it. It becomes very transactional. And I think as community pharmacists, we want to get get away from being transactional where we can. And of course, at times you have to be transactional. We all do. But um, by getting your staff upskilled a little bit so they're willing and confident to, to ask how the patient's getting on with this medication they've been on for ages is a really good start. So I'd start small. Start what I say. Start low, go slow. And um, and if it looks like it's working and you're, you're enjoying what you're doing, then yeah, by all means, you know, think about ramping it up, thinking about how you can implement a more regular service where you're asking these questions um, or, or asking more pointed questions around certain topic areas, um, you know, areas of patient health that, that you might be able to turn into a service. Oh, and I think it's an important point you make there, Brad, about not just fulfilling the scripts and, and handing them over month after month. And if I could share a little bit of my own personal journey to the listeners, the, the pharmacists who are tuning into the show today, I get a regular Webster pack from my pharmacy. And as a patient, I almost, yearn's probably too strong a word, but I, I almost find it a little bit strange that no one ever just stops and says, hey, you've been taking these meds for a few years, all good with a specialist, how's things, do you have any issues, are there any side effects? It's just, it just gets handed over, I go to the counter, I pay my money and I'm on my way. Now I'm not the sort of person that wouldn't say something if something was wrong, but just that, that minute to ask that question, to just stop and not make it so transactional can be very, very powerful. Now, Brad, you are, have been very generous in saying earlier to the listeners that you're happy to take calls and you're happy to talk to people that might be taking on a, a similar journey, but if pharmacists and pharmacy staff are listening to you today and they're inspired to explore more, your website is menshealthdownunder.com.au. You spoke earlier about onboarding some other pharmacies, but what can people expect when they visit the site? Oh, the site's got a whole heap of information. And, and, and interestingly, Daniel, the site was originally developed as a repository of information because what I was finding was when you're talking to somebody for an hour, you're covering a lot. And I'm sure, as you well know, they say pe people will only remember the last three things you tell them, and I think that there's a lot of truth in that. So, you know, some of the critical parts of the conversation you have in the first 15 minutes of, an, of a 60-minute consultation, they're they're long forgotten. And as much as I've changed, we've changed our work practices, and we now send patients letters post consult. We send their doctor a letter post consultation with all the with all the pertinent information in it. We felt it was worth having a repository of information that patients, um, partners, specialists, doctors, allied health could access um, that had all the information on it that was relevant to them or their question. Um, and the problem being that if you make it in, if you make it in a hard copy, all of a sudden it becomes outdated. In you know when when the next thing comes out and you've got to reprint everything. So this concept of an online repository of information that patients could access any point at any at any place at any time seemed like a good idea. So that's what that's what's there. There's um a bunch of information on almost everything we do. Um so there's it's probably a bit light on, on some topics which we're developing, but um but there's pretty much all the information there that uh, on the topics that we that we look after. And um you've got to remember the the information on there is really designed 
to aid a patient. It's not it's it's not um, much more than that. It gives you a little bit of the basic foundation as to what you might need to know as a men's health pharmacist. Um, but but beyond that, you know, it's really geared up for the patient. It tells about you know, it talks about injection technique and this sort of stuff. Um, yeah, so, so and, and, and you know, then there's a shop there as well, which we tacked on at the end, tacked on just so that if patients were there wanting to get stuff that weren't local to Canberra, because you've got to remember that this started in Canberra, um, and all of our patients were local, it meant that they could go on the website, read the information. If they needed to purchase a product, they could, and then they'd get um, they get a yell from us to to find out what they're up to, make sure they're right with the products, because these products are all medical devices generally, so they're fairly specialised in their in their application. Um, and they're often hard to, to to find. We wanted to make sure patients were using them properly. So heaps of information there, all the different sorts of products that you might need to think about keeping are there. Um, our details are there if you want to get in touch because like you say, Daniel, I'm more than happy to get in touch. Don't expect a, a reply within sort of 24 hours, but, but you will get a reply. And um, if it is something urgent, you know, if you've got a patient with urinary incontinence that needs something urgently, um, give us a call. Um, always welcome to do that and, and someone will grab that phone, you know, there and then. I feel like I'm being a bit repetitive when I say this, Brad, but you make another good point because this information that you talk about, the help, the advice that you give people, it isn't necessarily the patient's world. They don't know it back to front like you do. They don't talk about it every day. They don't retain that information. You spoke about how they might not remember all that important stuff in the first 15 minutes. And I don't know if pharmacists are different to the general public, but I know half the time when I go to the doctor, I only remember maybe about half of it. And I walk away thinking, geez, what did he say about that? Or what did she say about that? Or actually, I forgot to ask this question. So uh, a resource like this certainly helps patients on their journey. Now, Brad Butt, founder of Men's Health Down Under and managing partner Coolman Court Pharmacy in Canberra, Brad, once again, thank you so much for coming on the show and spending some time with us today to talk about what is an important focus of Men's Health Week 2022 and building healthy environments for men and boys. Thanks for having me, Daniel, and uh, always a pleasure. Thank you. It's always an insightful conversation with Brad. You heard me repeatedly say, great point you're making there, Brad. So it's always a pleasure to have him on the show. His passion and commitment to men's health, it's inspiring. And I hope our chat today has also inspired you to reflect on ways that you can build healthy environments for men and boys. And through your pharmacy, have a positive impact on your patients and the community. For those of you wanting to check out the website, simply head to menshealthdownunder.com.au and as Brad so generously offered, if you're keen to explore some similar offerings for your own pharmacy and want to learn firsthand and hear firsthand from Brad, just reach out to him at Coolman Court Pharmacy in the ACT. I've been your host, Daniel Lewiston, and you've been listening to episode 99 of the PBCN Podcast. The PBCN Podcast, supporting your journey every step of the way. For more resources, to access support or advice, or to view this episode's show notes, visit guild.org.au.